Welcome to The Stanza, a show for investors and entrepreneurs in the creative industries. I'm your host, Nadine Cho, and I'll be sharing stories of unique people creating their own paths. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Today's guest is Jordan Gilman, founder of PeopleVine. This episode is for all the hospitality operators who subscribe to the Stanza. PeopleVine is the hospitality CRM used by San Vicente Bungalows, Zero Bond, ZZ's, Casa Cipriani, Faena, and many more brands that you already know. I've partnered with PeopleVine over the last three months, and I wanted to have Jordan on the podcast to chat about his experience pitching to luxury hospitality brands, why their CRM is loved by the best operators, and how a great CRM is absolutely needed to deliver a consistently amazing guest experience. Thank you to the team at PeopleVine for being early supporters of the Stanza newsletter and podcast. Hi, Jordan. Welcome to the Stanza podcast. Thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thank you for having me. PeopleVine is a CRM provider for some of the absolute best names in hospitality, a lot of them that I, I reference and that I've also worked with. How do you go about selling this product to these types of clients? Like, how do you go about pitching to them when they probably have, you know, every single startup slash software available to them? We've been very fortunate to work with such amazing brands. People have really embraced our software. Uh, it's all been referrals, word of mouth. Uh, we've never really picked up the phone and called someone to sell our product. It's more of they're inbound to us. Mm-hmm. We owe a lot of this to our partners. Our partners are amazing in uh, finding a lot of these opportunities, uh, but knowing that working together, we get these deals faster and we're a stronger product in that case. And so we've leveraged that to kind of get into the door of a, a lot of these places. That's helped build our brand. And what's amazing is you know, one of my co-founders, Chris, who's helped bring some of the marketing and branding to the table uh, with our design team is really help elevate our brand and and the image so we can align with these luxury brands. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're modern software. uh, We're a very young and and live company. Got a great product, great software, all cloud-based, which is a lot of things that people are looking for these days as well. We are very fortunate that we're kind of in a space that either older, you know, don't want to say dinosaurs because it's not that old, but older players are in the space. And so it allowed us to kind of be fresh and kind of stand above the rest because people wanted modern, best in class, mobile app, all these type of things. And lastly, they've already made an integration with POS system or things like this. Why should they have to get rid of that, right? We bring a layer to it that makes now brings a CRM on top of all of these entities, right? Individually, dining has a CRM. Your marketing team has a MailChimp list. Your, uh, you have nothing in the point of sale system. There's no data. They'd mm-hmm. be seen as individual people in all these systems. And when you bring the layer of people mind on top of it, you're now seen as an individual with all of these contributions to your account, all of your reservations, all of your spend, all of your history and arrivals to give you really one of the most robust CRM profiles uh, in the hospitality space. Was PeopleVine always focused on hospitality specifically? Uh, it wasn't initially. The first parts of it, the bones of it, were actually done for the healthcare space. Okay. Uh, we did recurring billing uh, for some healthcare companies uh, for like their insurance. Ideally, that was what was used to kind of the base of our platform. And then because I built so much code since I was 13 and over the years and consulting and stuff like that, I started to just pile more code and more requirements on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started to build um, for Live Nation, uh, needed a uh, campaign and engagement system. So we built some tools around email marketing, contests, uh, you know, 
content, etc. From there, Zipcar needed some things around loyalty. So we started to build our loyalty engine, which we expanded actually for the Miami Marlins. Uh, unfortunately, Major League Baseball brought their part product to market at the same time we did. And then around that time, it's just we kept building this tool. And then we got approached by a restaurant group in Chicago that we started to build for all their restaurants and doing our loyalty with restaurants. And at that same time, we were working with all these co-working spaces, 1871 and M-Hub, you know, some of the largest out there that started to embrace our software. So we had this membership booking platform tied to uh, point of sale systems that gave you loyalty and had recurring billing and dues and access and everything. And around 2018, one of our agencies that we work with said, hey, I think we've got a great opportunity for you to work with a club uh, to bring your product in there. They found out you work with Aloha, you've got membership management, recurring billing, you could book dining at events. We just need you to integrate with this uh, seven rooms product for, for dining reservations and table management. So around that time, we started to build that integration uh, and we started to launch with like the Core Club and Classic Car Club and some of these other great brands out in New York that started to get, you know, tracked to see who we were. This industry is a very complex industry. Just for the club space, you've got events and ticketing, You've got membership dues and recurring billing. You've got point of sale. And I think the hardest for most of it, where they've really bulked up in accountants, is you've got house accounts and card on file and taking payments, right? Members don't want to give you a credit card. They just want to come enjoy themselves and leave, right? So you have these very complex ecosystems that wasn't like traditional restaurant dining. And so there were so many components to make it work. And that's kind of where we came in. They said, oh, wow, you've got a platform that does all of these elements in one single system, you know, how do we bring it together? So fast forward, we've actually expanded not just from clubs, but to get into the hotel space, because not only is that club, that little uh, niche group that has this kind of complex architecture, a hotel is a club, but with spa and multiple dining and hotel reservations and open up to guests. So it becomes a larger ecosystem, but they all have the same problem. I've got too many systems, too many accounts, it's not easy. There's too much friction, right? It's bad experience. How do we start to streamline that? And so we started to get into the, um, with the idea of getting to the guest experience where every guest can feel like a member. They have the same access, the same perks, but it's only for the time they're at that, at that resort or location. How did you go about building such a robust product without having been an entrepreneur in the hospitality space? Because this is very niche stuff. I mean, like membership clubs are highly niche. Like it's a, a space that not a lot of people understand. Hotels may be a bit much, but I'm curious as to like how you got into the mind of someone who owns a members club and you're like, okay, what problems are they facing and how can I build a solution to that? It's accumulation of a lot of work, right? So like I said, I've been coding for many years, good five, six years of people buying was very focused on the agency side of things. So how can we build software to run your business? And that gave us the underlying elements that we needed to support this industry, right? The membership, the card on file, uh, the point of sale integration where you can order data, payments, events and ticketing, the integration of seven rooms with dining reservations. While most people have to build their whole data model and the user interface to control all this, we already had that. We have entrepreneurship in my blood for a long time. You know, I've been doing it for many years and I just kept building code. We just kept taking on opportunities to build stuff for different agencies, for different uh, brands at the time under the agency. And the part that I think I did best is I realized at one point that everything had 
uh, some underlying elements. Your CRM mm -hmm. and your email and communication were needed for every type of business. So we just kept building layers on top of that. And then a couple of years ago, we realized we had too much stuff. So we started to tailor some of that stuff back to put it back on the shelves. And then what's nice about this is we're starting to understand that while we do membership and, uh, you know, membership is something that you can, you get to have experience and get access to a space, et cetera. Sometimes being recognized independently as that member based on your contributions or your history can elevate that experience. Yeah. And so we're looking into ways to bring back our loyalty engine to start doing some surprise and delights, mm -hmm. right? Based on how often you come, uh, similar events, how much you spend. Did you try all four of our dining outlets? Right. Are we getting you to spend and do enough in our ecosystem and our tools can automate a lot of that stuff. So once again, these things that we built over years, we can now bring to life and continue to evolve. What does this member experience look like? I'm going to come back to the loyalty program point, but I'm curious as to how you started building this network. So was Core Club your first luxury client? Around that same time, we were working with Park House uh, in Dallas. Okay. Uh, a uh, restaurateur decided to open up a club. Uh, he only opens up clubs now, no more restaurants. Mm -hmm. uh, so he definitely understood the model. And then Core Club was our first major one in New York. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that and Classic Car Club happened around the same time. And it's a small industry. People usually jump around quite a bit. Uh, and so the word of mouth traveled very fast. And people who are trying to, you know, there are clubs like, you know, Cipriani, you know, Costa Cipriani and others like that, that tried to build their own product uh, because there was nothing they could leverage at the time. They used Salesforce and external developers and they, they just didn't have the end-to-end -end experience. They, they knew how restaurants operated, but the club brought so many new elements that it was hard to architect, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's where we came in when the word traveled around that people were doing this and that PeopleVine was already supporting these premier clubs. Uh, word traveled fast and we were able to come in there and start to show that PeopleVine can support the entire ecosystem that they needed. You've also expanded across the pond to the UK, um, which has a huge membership club scene. How did you go about building the network to get into that market? Because I know that market is it's very tight and it's very, you know, by referral only, if you will. Um, so I'm curious as to how you broke into the UK. Very grateful to work out there because they have some of the, the oldest brands in this space yeah. and yeah. some of the best knowledge and experiences. And it's great to work with them. But uh, uh, how it happened was uh, we've been pushing people buying uh, as into the membership space since about 2018. Around 2020, uh, right before the pandemic, we had a big influx of uh, visibility. Uh, and we started to get some people in the UK that heard about us through you know, the grapevine in New York and other places. Um, and we ended up doing a demo for this location where Tuba Gersoy, who's now head of our UK environment, she was consulting for them. She loved our product, very interested. The pandemic happened, you know, the whole world fell apart. Some clubs didn't move forward as they were expected. Uh, and then all of a sudden we found out that she was looking for a job and we just closed some deals in the UK that we need to support. And so we brought her on board to start to leave that. And because her, her background is in hospitality. She worked at Four Seasons. She worked at uh, H Club and other clubs uh, that, that have been around for quite some time. We were able to get that kind of foot on the ground and uh, experience that we needed to really walk into all of these clubs in London. So she was definitely a huge part of making that happen. Word traveled really fast, but what's very interesting is UK is a different, definitely a different market than the US. Uh, the way that in what just, way? 
we found that the U.S. is very open to working together and collaborating with other clubs that even are down the street, right? Uh, we make intros all the time because we feel like this is a great way for them to just learn and, and expand and people want to belong to every club. So you really don't compete, right? And those that can try to apply to all. But in the UK, everyone's in competition with each other. They all want to run independent. Nobody wants to share anything. Nobody wants to evolve the industry. I say together, they want to kind of do it independently. It's great and it's bad. And maybe it's just kind of an evolution of they have so many clubs that whereas New York has a lot less and we're seeing it grow quite a bit. Maybe that's what it is, but it seems that it'd be nice to see him collaborate a little bit more and kind of open up. Yeah, I, I think the the analogy, because I, I actually lived in London, I studied in London for four years. I think the analogy with membership clubs, it's like, you know, like what football club do you support? You know what I'm saying? It's it's a very different mentality there. It's like if you remember Annabelle is like, oh, like you don't go to five Hartford Street, like, you know, like the there's definitely a very different social dynamic there. And I think it's because you know, the London membership club scene, it's been around for, for very, for so long. Yeah. It's so different to definitely like New York, even in terms of the actual software, something that I've been noticing and just in talking to different entrepreneurs who are trying to build a membership club is some of them are even trying to build their own in-house operating system kind of like how so house is doing and i think so house they they did do i mean they're able to raise the kind of money needed to build a serious operating system an app why would a membership club sign up for people vine and use people vine versus go out and try and build something that is tailored to their exact needs like what's what's the benefit in going with a software like people vine yeah i mean first off people vine uh is tailored to your uh, business needs uh, we're a very customizable, flexible platform. So no matter how your business process works, we provide you the options that we've seen within the industry. And they're usually point and click and they're turned on and we can operate the business that way. You know, Soho House uh, has invested quite a bit of money in their product. We've, we've tried to push them onto PeopleVine, but they won't because they've clearly invested way too much in their current yeah. architecture. But that doesn't mean everyone else has to. We've worked with a lot of amazing brands that attempted to build it on Salesforce. The people who drive that need is they came from Soho House. They saw Soho House use Salesforce. So inevitably they just think, well, I should use Salesforce too. Mm -hmm. Not realizing the amount of effort that needs to go into Salesforce to build something around your business. Not right. just for a club, but for any business, mm -hmm. right? They, it's a great general CRM. It's a great CRM to... Uh, spend millions to expand, but you could spend tens or hundreds of thousands on people buying and you can get a thousand times further than anyone could in, in Salesforce. We're a SaaS product that's built for the industry, uh, for mainly for clubs, but really for hospitality and travel. And because we're a SaaS company, we'll continue to invest in best in class features, best in class integrations, uh, modern experiences, and, and ways to help you increase your revenue and, and frequency from your members. While if you use something custom, like a Salesforce, you now have to be that software development company to continue to evolve it and keep up with us. We're software developers. We've been doing it, you know, it's in our blood. Many of the team on my, people on my team have been doing it since young age. <clears throat> I have a lot of experience in how software works and how it operates. We're not restaurateurs. We're not cooking ham, you know, cooking fancy, elegant steaks with, you know, amazing, uh, it's the food at these places is amazing, right? I can't do that. I can't start, you know, there's no point in me starting from scratch or doing that. I'm gonna leave that to the experts. We work with enough clubs and spaces to learn how the industry works 
to then create best in class products for the industry. And then we're also very innovative with technology. So we're finding ways to continue to, to modernize the product. What are some observations that you've had that have informed the way that you've built PeopleVine? We build it for two things. I've been very fortunate to experience a lot of these clubs. These are you know, all great friends that allow us in to kind of just understand how their environment works. Uh, first off, as a member, entering, ordering, paying, leaving, booking, all that kind of stuff has to be frictionless, right? You shouldn't have to run into issues. You shouldn't have to think about it. People should know my name. They should know my preferences. I enjoy myself. I leave. And if I get that experience, I'm going to come more often to this place than any other place because I want that experience. So we spent a lot of time building what our team has experienced in real life into this product. Um, and so that's helped us a lot as well. And on the other side is, while we love talking to all of our clients, we want to expand and keep growing our product uh, so they can grow and expand their product as well. We tend to take a lot of feedback from our clients and that's what goes into our product. We learn their challenges, we learn their use cases that happen all too often. Uh, we try to automate things, we try to minimize you know, issues and things like that, just to make their job easier. Because when they're able to spend more time on content and programming and meeting with members, once again, revenue goes up. Mm -hmm. And so our goal in the end is how do we help these spaces, uh, you know, utilize their space to its entirety. Clubs alone, people spend tons of money in making a beautiful space, great food. They bring in chefs from around the world. They bring in products and wines and liquors that you can't find other places. That shouldn't go to waste, right? We want people to enjoy that and experience it. And they should experience it more often than not. And the same thing from hotels. When you start to add spa and this beautiful hotel space that has classes and a whole ecosystem around it, we don't put all that effort to have one or two people show up. You put in the effort to be packed. And mm -hmm. so our goal is to build software to help them get packed. Frictionless reservations, frictionless payments, make you feel like you belong, that you're part of that space. And so we'll continue to invest in that so these spaces can uh, you know, maximize their, their capital. You made an interesting point about loyalty programs and like using that to drive the customer experience and making it better. What's your take on luxury hospitality implementing loyalty programs? Because a lot of people will say, well, you know, it's luxury, like you don't really need a loyalty program or you shouldn't have to because it kind of cheapens the image. But I'm curious as to like your insider view on loyalty programs and hospitality in the luxury space? I, I don't think loyalty ever cheapens the image. I think how you execute it is what cheapens the image. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, loyalty is very known as how many points, how many stays, and it's very like a metrics that you have to meet. And works for a lot of people because people are like, oh, okay, great, I could just stay there, get my numbers and do that. And then there's other people that realize the world is an amazing place. There's different brands, different experiences, uh, different spaces, et cetera, uh, that, you want to go out there and, and do other things. So points aren't what matters. So how do you attract those people that are going other places? It's more of like, they need to feel like they belong. They need to know mm -hmm. that you're being recognized. They need that surprise and delight, right? Because if you stay at the same place four times and each time it doesn't get better, why are you staying at that place four times, right? You're probably staying there because of the points and I just want my points, so I'm going to book it. Whereas if I know that if I continue to stay here, my journey with them gradually grows over time. I eat more there. If I eat there more, if I spa there more, if I come to more events, uh, if I do just more activities around that space, 
I know my experience gets better. It now feels like a home. I feel welcome. I know people. You know, I've been very fortunate to kind of experience some of these things over the years. I was a member at the Peninsula in Chicago. I've always created this affinity to the Peninsula brand because when I go to Chicago, uh, when I would have lunch at Pure Gourmet, they all knew who I was. When I had my son, they knew who he was, right? We felt welcome. We felt like we were part of the family. I went up to the gym to work out. They were always flexible with me. They knew who I was. It was great. And that's the feeling that like made us go there. And I fortunately was a member for 10 years until I moved to the suburbs where unfortunately we don't have these privileges and perks out here. But the feeling that I had, we still go down to the city. We always stop by because we know the doorman. We know the bellhops. We know the, the staff that works at the restaurant. They know who we are. It makes you feel welcome. It makes you feel like, why would I go anywhere else? And so I think that's kind of the feeling that we want to create through our technology is give you access to all these things, but also give the staff the knowledge of who you are before you walk in the door. Because while Peninsula was fortunate to have a good chunk of their staff stay through the pandemic and continue to grow with them, <clears throat> nowadays it's a very unlikely scenario and data and automation and technology needs to provide that service to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a super interesting point because that's kind of what people are paying for these days. You know, they want, you know, you do, they want to be able to walk into Carbone and be like, oh, the maitre d' knows me or they want to walk into whatever hot place, whether it be like Costa Cipriani or Zero Bond and be like, oh yeah, like this person knows me, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's cool to see you building something that, you know, initiates that emotional response. And that's, you know, what makes people eventually pay these membership fees, these dues that are pretty pricey. I'm curious as to your thoughts on ZZ's, you know, ZZ's, um, the, the new major food group dining club. Like what's your view on a dining club specifically that's not meant to be, you know, like a Casa Cipriani or like a Zero Bond or Soho House? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, once again, I've been very fortunate to, to enjoy ZZ's down in Miami. I'm jealous. Um, it is some of the best food I've probably ever had. I'm sure. That, you know, whenever I get a chance, I love to to dine there and, and experience it, uh, which unfortunately is not that often. <laughs> but their food is extremely unique. Uh, the flavors, the the way they present it, the way that just the atmosphere is very unique. You can't find that at other restaurants. The taste of it, the quality. Once again, it's above all else. So, you know, membership clubs, uh, unfortunately, aren't for everyone. Uh, you're right. There are a lot of these that have a price tag associated with it. So obviously, you personally have to understand if that's a value to you to have access to an amazing restaurant for X cost, right? So that's got to be a decision uh, that you make. But membership clubs are unique. They're a chance to let yourself loose. They're a chance to really feel like you're at home with the best quality experience. And usually why people go back once again is the staff of these places are amazing, right? They're very personable. They want to get to know you because it's not so high traffic, high volume, different people every day. They can get to know you. They do know your preferences. Mm -hmm. uh, and I also experienced that at ZZ's just going back a second time uh, in Miami, the, wait the waitress knew me. She brought me the sake that I liked. And so you remember that. And when you go there again, you get that same feeling. You feel great. If you bring other people with you and they feel it, they're like, wow. Right. So these are all just <laughs> things that kind of elevate life and elevate experience. Mm -hmm. uh, but on the other side, it's used for business a lot. 
uh, when, you know, the old days still apply. When you could impress someone in a business setting, they have such different respect for you uh, that they're willing to then move forward on that contract or opportunity. Right. Um, right. I, it's tough to wine and dine hospitality clients, but <laughs> these bankers and other people that can afford this stuff, like it's, it's one of those abilities to surprise their clients and elevate the experience. So many, it's an investment, but those who have the funds... Like it is such an enjoyable experience to be able to dine at some of these places. It's definitely unique and different than a traditional public restaurant. Yeah, totally. Well, there's so many new clubs that are popping up, which I'm sure you're like so happy about. But I'm curious as to what your view is on the future of this like very niche hospitality sector, like membership clubs. There are people that have access to multiple clubs, but very few get access to multiple as clubs expand, I think there starts to become this elevated social network amongst all club goers, essentially, or people that want to go to that. You know, it was interesting because uh, when the pandemic happened, no one knew what to do, what was happening, right? Restaurants were closing, clubs that were supposed to start didn't start. But it was interesting that we started to see a a bunch of these clubs continue to charge dues and nobody was canceling, right? So everyone saw this as a temporary thing. But when we dug deeper, what we found out is they found this as kind of like, you know, you have the whole public and the whole world. So you have all these people who are very healthy, not healthy, take care of themselves, don't take care of themselves. And they saw that this was kind of this elevated social world that, you know, people were healthy, they took care of themselves. If they had COVID, they weren't walking in and sneezing and coughing on everybody. Like people were very cautious, so it felt safe to them uh, is kind of what we saw. A lot of people kind of adopted that thinking that, why don't I keep more private? Uh, because I can control who's in my ecosystem. Uh, I can make sure that, you know, I can keep a, a certain level of experience for people. And so I think people started to adopt that. And now that's why we're seeing a lot more clubs is that it becomes this, you take this traditional public dining space you elevate elevate it to private. So you have this similar like crowd mm-hmm. uh, that's in a controlled ecosystem because usually people approving applications controls who comes in and who doesn't. And then you get to add these additional amenities, health and fitness and events and classes and culture and all these things. And then you bring all these like-minded people into a similar space. There's no, you know, judging or things like that. It's a good thing and a bad thing, right? Uh, those that can be there get to experience it and kind of feel elevated and be at that level. And those that don't, unfortunately, can't. I think we all aspire to elevate our life. It's nice to see that there are these experiences you can elevate to, that you can look forward to, to find like-minded people, to advance your life, to advance your health, to advance your knowledge, your culture. <clears throat> Member clubs are a great place to kind of bring that affinity group together to, to take it further. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think there's going to be even more clubs that maybe aren't even so exclusive, but they're just going to, you know, cater to such a wide variety of interests. We have a lot of clubs that they're not, you know, thousands of dollars to get in, like bucks a month, right? It's like a price of a gym, maybe. The idea is that they bring a lot of culture, they bring events, they bring curriculum, they bring food and beverage, and you get you get that crowd that then comes there. So you get a bunch of like-minded people that come to like-minded events, like-minded experiences. Uh, Some clubs that do it well, we usually have five or six different groups so they can keep the place busy seven days a week. It's nice because it is not just about Cipriani and ZZ's and Amon, very luxurious brands. 
it's about creating the need for people to get together and be like-minded. So, you know, I apologize if we talk a lot about the high-end ones. It's not always about that. That's just obviously what hits the news and gets the visibility. Mm -hmm. But there are so many clubs around the world that just bring like-minded people together in a space where they mm -hmm. can feel comfort, where they can know uh, they they know the, the people, they know the space, they the space knows them, and it allows them to, to have access to something they normally wouldn't have access to. And to conclude the episode, so I ask all of my guests if they have one piece of advice for any aspiring entrepreneurs. There was a point in my my career where I was like, don't do it. Being an entrepreneur is tough. You know, you think that everything you have going on right now couldn't be as good as where you could be as an entrepreneur. That's the challenging part. But my new advice to people is stick with it. Uh, because if you see a vision and you see an opportunity for something to work, we hit four, four to five different industries before we found where our niche really was. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're able to see now a company grow. You know, we're very stable now, which is very nice. But prior to that, it's, you know, you know, uh, I had a few employees that, uh, left during the pandemic and then came, they worked for some other, you know, IT companies in San Francisco, other places and came back. And the one advice they gave to me was, you know, I've talked to every other entrepreneur out there, but the only thing different about me was I said, I would never give up. I chose the path to become an entrepreneur. I had the dream that one day I would run and own a software company, very grateful and thankful for it. But with, you know, 10, 11 years of constant push and adjusting and finding the right people we're closer to that dream than ever before. Um, so the most important advice is, is if you have that dream, stick with it, mm -hmm. right? There's so many things that came out 20 years ago that today are marvels, right? Uh, it's just people weren't ready for it. So if you see it and you think it could bring to market and people see it with you, keep pushing because there are enough people in the world that will latch on and continue to grow your idea. That's really good advice. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jordan. I really appreciate you making the time. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Uh, great conversation and uh, I look forward to hearing it.